War is hell. We've all heard that, right? And it's true. War is hell. Horrible things can happen in war. Innocent women and children can die in war. Friendly fire incidents. Your own guys get killed by your own guys. It's a horrible thing, but sometimes it must be fought. Iraq was not one of those wars. No weapons of mass destruction and all kinds of problems. Uh, World War I, World War II, absolutely a war of necessity. We had no choice. Absolutely a just conflict. As far as Ukraine goes, well, um, I'm going to stay out of it uh, as far as uh, I'd like to see some peace, okay, wouldn't you? I'd also like to see less talk about how much ammunition the Ukrainians have and we have. You're not supposed to talk about these things. The ultimate expert on war, a guy named Sun Tzu, who lived like 4,000 years ago in China, uh, said this. The whole secret lies in confusing the enemy so that he cannot fathom our real intent. I like that part about confusing the enemy. Um, our commander in chief is not up to it. He's uh, he's confused himself. And the other day when he said out loud, which this stuff is classified, this stuff, these are the real secrets. The Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition that they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is a this is a war relating to munitions and uh, the running out of those that ammunition and we're low on it. And so what I finally did took the recommendation of the Defense Department. So America is low on its ammunition. Ukraine is low on ammunition, according to him. I know. Oh, I read that in the newspaper. Well, it shouldn't be coming from the commander in chief. There are some things you just keep your mouth shut about. You know who really likes this news? Vladimir Putin. I mean, this gives him all kinds of insight into what the Ukrainians are doing, could do. What about us? What are our capabilities right now? Low on ammunition. What Joe Biden mentioned in that interview to CNN and international television, that was a real secret. And he should have kept his mouth shut. That was a real secret. This, this is fake news. Wait a minute, let's see. Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is like highly confidential. <laughs> and he said it in private. And we don't even know what documents he was looking at. Maybe it was a newspaper. Said it in private. He said it in his home, not on international television. We know now that it looks like he was talking about the military's plans to possibly deal with Iran on a military basis. You know, it would be really shocking. You know, it would be news if we did not have plans to take on Iran. What I'm saying here is what Donald Trump said is totally obvious. We know that. And he said it in closed quarters. What Joe Biden did was on international television. Let's compare and contrast. Can we please? The Ukrainians are running out of ammunition. Uh, the ammunition, uh, they, they call them 155 millimeter weapons. This is a, this is a war relating to munitions and uh, the running out of those, that ammunition, and we're low on it. Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is like highly confidential. <laughs> what was the real threat to national security here? I think it was what Joe Biden said. You don't talk about ammo supplies. If you have little ammo, say you have a lot. If you have a lot, I, you confuse the enemy. You don't put it out there like that. Does that sound simplistic? It is. 
It's supposed to be. It's child's play. And Joe, when he goes overseas, often says he does not want to cause any trouble, but he does. I sometimes get myself in trouble for what I'm about to say. I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. I shouldn't say this. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in real trouble. This is the last question I'm taking. You know, it's not cute anymore. It doesn't make anybody laugh. It's, it's certainly not the hallmark of a leader going around saying, I'm going to get in trouble with some underling. He got in, I wouldn't call it trouble. The real damage was that Fareed Zakaria interview. He gets to Lithuania, and there's plenty of awkwardness, all right? That's the president of Lithuania who just seems to be totally running the show. I mean, okay, yeah, he grabs him, manhandles him a little bit, sit down, kind of ordering our president around. You know, he's Joe Biden, but he's still our president. And uh, let's see. Oh, how to get out of a car. Uh, he should know this by now, right? Go to the red carpet. He doesn't make it all the way to the red carpet. He's got to tell him, I don't know. It, are we nitpicking a little bit? I, I don't think so. I think he should be better at this stuff. And then there was this moment. Joe is, he's studying his notes for a while, just really, really studying it. And then, and then he starts talking. Mr. President, it's good to see you again. I'd like to be with you. And, uh, you know, we're in this historic summit meeting. You see that, Mr. President? <laughs> I don't know. We are nitpicking a little bit, but it comes with the territory. Oh, and then there was this, this guy who promised transparency to be honest and open with the reporters. Every time there's a question, he just kind of stares. Dogs. President Zelensky called this NATO. President Zelensky said it was absurd that Ukraine doesn't have a timeline for membership. What do you make of his comments, Mr. President? What's Ukraine's timeline for membership? Tony Blinken, right, Secretary of State, he just looks embarrassed to be there. Um, and what happens behind the scenes? I mean, here he is being all he can be in public. Behind the scenes, I hear it's even worse. Now this. Tommy Tuberville, senator from Alabama, the coach, don't give up. I know it's hard right now. He's doing the right thing. He has basically made it his business to suspend military promotions until we can get this thing straightened out with abortion in the military. You know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they are so political now, so in cahoots with the Biden administration that, well, they want to facilitate abortion where they shouldn't be facilitating abortion. They shouldn't even be talking about it. Here's the Secretary of Defense. 80,000 of our women are stationed in places that, uh, that where they don't have uh, access to non-covered reproductive health care. This policy is based on uh, strong uh, uh, legal grounds. Uh, I, I assure you that we have great respect for this body, uh, Congress, and we will do everything within our power to make sure that we continue to work with Congress. Hey, isn't that really big of the Secretary of Defense? Huh? He's respect for Congress and will do everything he can within reason, I suppose, to work with Congress. These guys work for us, and they seem to forget that. Now that brings me back to Tommy Tuberville. Again, the Pentagon right now is facilitating travel for thousands of soldiers and their families all over the country to get abortions and paying them and giving them vacation. But they're not charging vacation time. It's three weeks off. It's crazy. They should have gotten congressional authorization. There should be a law. And he said no more promotions at the general level until I get some answers. Good for him.
There is no set uh, rules on this. It's just, hey, if you want to have one, have it. We'll pay for your flight anywhere to a state that can do it. Uh, we're going to give you three weeks off paid. That doesn't come out of your time off as, 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 uh, as a service member. Uh, there's a lot added to this, and it's going to be charged to the taxpayer. All right. Absolutely. I agree with him. There should be answers. And uh, as I said last night, a lot of folks in the military, especially generals, they don't deserve promotions right now. So what comes up? What's the response to this? White supremacy. Uh, Senator, that's all well and good, but we need to talk about uh, race for some reason. And they tried to get him in trouble. Listen to this. Do you have a problem with this? I mean, we're, it's, it's a minute long, all right? We're not going to cut it and splice, not taking eight seconds. We're going to have the whole exchange. To be clear, you agree that white nationalists should not be serving in the U.S. military. Is that what you're saying? If, if people think that a white nationalist is a racist, I agree with that. I agree they A white nationalist be. is someone who believes that the white race is superior to other races. Well, that, that's some people's opinion. Uh, and I don't think, What's I mean, a lot, uh, pardon? What's your opinion? My opinion of a white nationalist, if somebody wants to call him white nationalist, to me is an American. It's an American. Now, if that white nationalist is a racist, I'm totally against anything that they want to do because I am 110% against racism. But I want somebody that's in our military, that's strong, that believes in this country, that's an American, that will fight along anybody, whether it's a man or woman, black or white, red, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, and, and so I'm a totally against identity politics. I think it's ruining this country. And I think that Democrats ought to be ashamed for how they're doing this because it's dividing this country and it's making this country weaker every day. Well, for what he said right there, they're trying to drive him out of the United States Senate. I heard him condemn racism about three times there. He's against racism, 110 percent. People should fight with people. It doesn't matter what you look like, right? Now, white, uh, what's it called? White nationalism, that's not top of mind. But I know what he's getting at. Um, in the early days of the Biden administration, they were trying to equate MAGA with white supremacy. Do you remember that? And they used it as an excuse to root out extremism in the military. There's just this whole thing, and it was all fake. Resurfacing of white supremacy has been just an extraordinary phenomenon in the past few years. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. We are living in a nation that is actually full of racism and white supremacy. Now, white supremacy, as we all know, is awful. And those who believe in it, if they're off in the woods or if they're in prison, if they break the law, they should go to prison. But you're free to be an idiot. OK, um, but the white supremacy thing, it's a ghost, a phantom, and they're using it as a weapon. And they're trying to stigmatize lots of people who have nothing to do with white supremacy. And it's happening in the military. We must also acknowledge that our military faces challenges a rise in white supremacy and extremism within the ranks. This was so political and report after report, and they're trying to justify this kind of rhetoric, right? White supremacy here, white supremacy everywhere. In addition to potential violence, white supremacy, and white nationalism pose a threat to the good or uh, just overstating it for political reasons. So back to Tommy Tuberville and uh, Katie, whatever her name, this is, it's kind of like, getting Donald Trump, remember, during the debates, condemn it, sir, condemn it, sir. I've already condemned it. I'll condemn it. What, what, what? It's a word game they play. Oh, 
and they love the, uh, the opportunity to be indignant. Check this out. That is, Caitlin, the most abjectly racist statement I have heard from a U.S. senator in my life. I think he's old enough to remember Strom Thurmond. And, uh, oh, what about the current sitting president, who is a former United States senator? His name is Joe Biden. And this is the most racist thing I've ever heard. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Yeah, it doesn't get any more racist than that, that the color of your skin uh, indicates how you think or who you are. Or you should be judged on the color of your skin, not the content of your character. Well, back to Tommy Tuberville. He's getting some heat right now. I don't believe he deserves it. Uh, he's a good man and he knows leadership. And quite frankly, yeah, he's worked with people who don't look like him. And it didn't matter on the field. It doesn't matter uh, in uniform, in our country's uniform. And... I admire him, and I think he's going to get through this, and I hope he gets answers on this whole crazy thing they're doing with abortion at the Pentagon. Good luck, Senator. We'll be right back. This is a great city, and I'm the Biden of Brooklyn. He's the Biden of Brooklyn. Hmm. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City. He's a municipal official. He seems to think... He's emperor. He had a narcissistic meltdown this weekend. I'll have it in a moment. It's kind of narcissistic every day, though. Take a look. I mean, this kind of wardrobe, I've never seen a double-breasted vest uh, in the past century. Have you? Or some of these colors. It's just, uh, it's all about Ewick. It's very much about uh, the clothes and the nightclubs and, and that kind of thing. Oh, and his mood. I mean, he has a certain, what does he call it? Swagger. I think that you've had a lot of mayors that did the waltz. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. I do the boogaloo. I salsa. Yeah, well, um, as he's having fun, New York is crumbling. It really is. Uh, the shoplifting, the robberies, the assaults, uh, it's, it's a dangerous place. And I see him going around with a straight face trying to say that crime is going down. It's not. The city is spiraling out of control. And... You know, I think I think people use the, the racist word a little bit too much. It's just it's the easiest and cheapest trick in the book sometimes. So I say this with a great deal of determination and forethought. Eric Adams is a racist. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers ass, man. I was unbelievable. Yes, he uh, calls white people crackers uh, when they're not around. How about that? And somehow he is the mayor of New York City. How he pulled this off, it's not any mean feat, believe it or not. Um, but now that he has the job, he is literally seemingly drunk with power. And that race card has become his favorite card. Let me tell you what hard is. Hard is picking cotton from sunup to sundown, giving birth on the field and going back to pick cotton some more. He mentioned he's from Brooklyn. We don't have we don't have that stuff here. OK, another place. Hard as having someone talk down to you and expect for you to take it no matter what they say and what they do. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city and this country and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. 
And people need to recognize that. Wow, right? He does. He thinks he's the grand, high, exalted, imperial, mystic ruler. He's a mun <laughs> like this guy, right? Who remembers him? Uh, the grand, high, exalted, imperial, mystic ruler, maybe. This is, this is what it looks like when somebody is in over their head and they start to flail. And they also get, wow, I'm a big shot now. Uh, oh, and they lie all the time. They would disrespect her, talk down to her. She would come home. Fight again, and I would wait up late at night for mommy. And she'll walk through the door and say she was fired again from a job. She said, it was my job to clean your garbage pail, not to take your crap. Yeah, I don't believe that happened. I don't believe that happened. And uh, no mother wants their kids staying up late like that. Anyway, that, that did not happen. Next. And she would say to me, Baby, don't you ever let someone disrespect you. And no matter where I am, mommy transitioned almost two years ago, but I hear her every time someone thinks they're going to step up and disrespect me. Mommy said, don't you ever let someone disrespect you. Please, all of you, if you're ever in New York City and you run into this guy, join me in booing in right to his face. Uh, you're allowed to do that in New York. It kind of goes with the territory, right? With the job. You can't uh, say anything negative about Eric Adams. You see, he does not have a realistic idea of his role in society. A couple more. With no help on the federal level, you are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place in a city to live in. Yeah, we were kind of stumped by exactly what he was trying to say here. Uh, we broke it down. You are watching an incompetent person turning a competent place, a city to live in. Well, he's actually he's onto something there a little bit. Uh, and then there was this. This fools people sometimes. Don't be fooled. I've taken this broken child and made him the mayor, and you are still, oh ye of little faith, questioning his abilities of what he's doing. You question him if you want. I know who God I serve. Wow. Yep. Some conservative media give him credit for talking about his faith in public. Um, I am actually kind of offended by this. You can't question him. You can't. Because God has, what does that mean? What is he saying about himself? Is he the Messiah? It's very, very weird. And if he's so close to God, I think, I don't know. Look at this. He wants this in the schools. The drag time story hour, it's one of the first things he did as mayor. He ratified it. Drag storytellers in the libraries and schools that support them are advancing a love of diversity, personal experience, and literacy that is the core to what our city embraces. So I think he's very, very mixed up. And one more little thing here. There are 8 million people in New York. How many of them voted for Eric? Let's see. 289,000 in a primary, three point, And the primary was on the last day of school, all right? So get a hold of yourself there. You're not the emperor. You're a municipal official, although he does have a lot in common with Joe Biden. Uh, Joe also, through the years, it's been noticed that Joe likes fancy clothes. And Joe also seemed to have an outsized opinion of himself. Look at how he walked around Delaware. That's Joe on the right. All right, two things. He's got a hat that says Joe, his first name, and that button says United States Senator. 
it's a very small state. Everybody knew you were the senator, but we wanted he wanted more. He wanted recognition and maybe he wanted hookups for his family. It was happening all the way back in the 1970s from uh, the there's his brother, James Biden. And we found this article going all the way back to 1977 in the Wilmington Morning News. James Biden surrenders nightclub because of debts. This is the brother of Joe. And Joe, at this point, is a U.S. senator. Uh, James B. Biden, younger brother of Senator Joseph R. Biden, is quitting the nightclub business after running up more than $700,000 in debts on the Seasons Change Club. That's what it was called. And less than Four years. What's next? Senator Joseph Biden was never involved. He never is in the club or its financial dealings, but once made a telephone call on his brother's behalf to a Edwards Danforth, who was then chairman of the bank. How about that? When the loans were publicly disclosed last winter, Joseph Biden told reporters that he faulted Farmers bank officers. It was the bank's fault. How could that be for extending so much money to a young man with little experience in the nightclub business? Farmers bank officers familiar with the loans said they were encouraged to make the loans because of the Biden name. Sound familiar? Very, very familiar. They've been at this for a long, long time. And like the mayor in New York, um, big fish in a kind of a small pond, a very small pond as far as Delaware goes. One of the tiniest states in the country. How many votes did he get? 116,000 votes all the way back in 1972. Made him essentially senator for life. huh? And the attitude that goes with it. Hmm? All right, now this. 40%, almost 40% of Brown University students identify as LGBTQIA+. Plus. Now, Brown is an Ivy League school, one of the most prestigious in the country. That is three times higher than it was uh, just 13 years ago. You know what's happening here? A social contagion. This is suddenly considered cool, and it's a path to status. And couple it with this. Where's marriage? Marriage between a man and a woman? Down 60% over the last 50 years. Why is it that seemingly overnight LGBTQ plus IA whatever has been kind of pushed so relentlessly? I know it's been happening for a long time, but it's gone into hyper overdrive in the past couple of years. I think climate change and the whole phony debate about it has something to do with it. What we have in this paper is a call to action. Reducing carbon dioxide emissions dramatically, stopping deforestation and planting a lot of trees, reducing meat. And finally, we talk about curbing the population explosion. For example, educating girls and young women about family planning options. Too many people on the planet Earth. They don't want people having children. They want people having abortions. How about that? The Earth is a magnificent place and God knew exactly what he was doing. And I am confident it can handle the increase of people. Oh, we need them. We need them now more than ever, don't we? Beautiful picture of the Earth, by the way. Haven't been to outer space, the moon, since 1972, taken by the Apollo 17 astronauts. I love that photo. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, it's Carson. Imagine this. In the dead of night, you're lying in bed. Suddenly, you hear something go bump. What's your next move? Well, you reach for the ultimate solution. 
the new MC-14 T tip-up pistol from EAA Corp and Gerson. This game-changing firearm is perfect for those with limited hand strength disabilities or anyone seeking a comfortable and user-friendly alternative. Picture this, the MC-14T features an ingenious tip-up barrel design, making loading and unloading a breeze. Say goodbye to struggles while racking a slide. Just load the tip-up barrel, lock it back, and you're ready to fire. That is pretty ingenious, actually. The MC-14T is chambered in 380 ACP, boasting a 13-plus round capacity. With its reliable stopping power and compact size, it's an excellent choice for personal defense complete with accessory rail and ambidextrous safeties. Experience a new level of convenience, available with all EAA Corp distributors. Starting at an incredibly affordable MSRP of just $498. Don't miss out on this game-changing firearm. Visit eaacorp.com today. eaacorp.com. You remember this video from a few months ago when Mega Viral put out by El Salvador, the government of El Salvador. They've gotten really serious about incarcerating uh, gang members, and uh, you can see their prison system is, well, I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, they currently, right now, in that country, uh, well, let's see, let's go through a couple of things here. 92% decrease in homicides compared to 2015. Um, but the country has imprisoned, let's see, 68,000 out of 6.3 million. I don't know if that seems like a lot to you, but that's about 1% of the population. And internationally, that's, that's, that's very high, uh, rights groups say. But let's face it, the crime is down. And El Salvador is not known for low crime, but now it is. Former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick, former Corrections Commissioner also, he ran the prisons and jails here in New York City. Uh, Commissioner, welcome back. Uh, is Thanks, El Salvador Rick. doing the right thing here? Yeah, I, I think they are. I think where they're lacking, um, where the president of El Salvador and the minister of uh, interior or security, uh, the one thing they're, they're lacking is the court system. Um, you know, they've got to get these people uh, before judges. They've got to have them tried. Uh, they've got to give them their due process in the justice system. But when you look at the overall problem that they had, Greg, um, you know, four years ago, they averaged 100 homicides for every 100,000 people in El Salvador. Now they're down to like one or two per 100,000. That 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 drop is is far more substantial than anything we've seen um, in South America, and you have other countries like Ecuador and some of the others that are now looking at what they're doing because their problematic uh, uh, arena was MS-13, some of these other uh, South American gangs. Um, you know, other countries are looking; they have the same issues, they have the same gang members. They're looking at it, thinking, you know what? It's time to make the streets safer. And if we have to go to this extent to do it, we're going to do it. Um, but I think where they fall short is, uh, you know, within the U.N. Uh, constitutional rights, if you will, uh, the U.N. minimum standards for jails, for courts, uh, they're lacking. But if they get up to speed in that area, 
Like when Giuliani started arresting, arresting everybody in New York City, he had to put money into correction. He had to put money into the courts. Right. And they have to do the same. Well, and also he didn't, you know, just round up everybody. You know, it was individual. No. And they're right. doing a lot of mass roundups down there. And you pointed out that's not right. Hey, can I take a look at the video again? You ran prisons. What do you think of what they're doing, bringing them in like that? Uh, what do you see as a professional? What's what's happening here? How do you feel about those things? Well, look, uh, you know, this is not something we would be doing in the United States. Um, but as I've told that, look, I worked in the Middle East, Greg, as you know, for about 10 years. Uh, the way the people in the Middle East handle their prisons are different. Uh, the way they handle their stuff down in South America is different as well. You would have every civil rights group in the United States on your tail if you were bringing in prisoners in this manner. But I think, I think from their perspective, these guys are a security risk in the streets and there's security risk in the institutions. There are a risk to staff, to the institution, uh, a threat to society on the outside, and they're doing what they think they have to do to keep it in order. Hey, can I ask you, and I, I don't know, if, I don't think I've ever asked you, I mean, you had a, you were in prison on the other, on the both sides. And right. after, and by the way, you have a clean slate, thanks to President Trump, and I don't think you'd really belong there to begin with. I know you didn't, but, did it change? How did they change your perspective on on how to run a prison or a jail? Honestly, uh, compared to what I did in Rikers, not much of a change. What I did see within the system, and I've learned far more since, especially given what they're doing to President Trump and many of the people that have worked for him. Um, you don't have the constitutional rights you think you have in this country. If you don't have the rights, if you don't have the the a method uh, a method to pay for them, right? If you don't, if you can't pay for your defense, you don't ha you don't get the constitutional rights of a fair trial, mm. of a fair investigation. You just don't. You don't. Um, and I think we over incarcerate, mass incarcerate way too many people for nonviolent offenses. Um, and, and those are things that I tried, uh, you know, working with the Trump administration and working with the Obama administration, um, I, I tried my best to make them understand that. Um, it, very interesting. Um, hey, did you see the guy on the scooter? This has not received nearly as much attention as it should, but a guy was driving around on Saturday on a scooter shooting people in the middle of the day. Watch this. That guy in the white crossing the street is about to get shot. Boom, down he goes. Unfortunately, I believe that individual lived, but this individual, an 86-year-old man on his way to the mosque, is about to get shot. He doesn't realize it at first, and then you can see the blood, and there it goes. And, and, and sadly, he dies later of his injuries. Uh, you have Mary, Mayor Adams bragging about how safe the city is. I've never seen anything quite like this. Have you? I, I, I honestly, Greg, I, I think somebody in City Hall, I think they're completely delusional. I don't know what they're looking at. I saw that thing yesterday with the governor two days ago with the governor saying, oh, we've secured the, the mass transit system. She's out of her mind. And I, and I think the mayor has got to take a step back, look at things in reality, stop prancing around and, and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, acting like a celebrity. Do your job. Do your job because the city is is in chaos right now. Absolutely. It sure is. And the country, too, for that matter. Bernie Carrick, former NYPD commissioner. We appreciate it. Newsmax contributor to be continued, sir. And we'll be right back. Thanks, Rick.
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. So uh, that's the FBI director, Christopher Wray, and he'll be testifying on Capitol Hill tomorrow. A lot of questions lawmakers have for him. Uh, a lot of explaining to do, actually, about uh, a lot of different things. We'd like to bring in uh, Joe DeGeneva, former United States attorney for Washington, D.C., Newsmax contributor. Uh, Joe, welcome back. Uh, this guy, <laughs> in an honest, just world, he would have been terminated a long time ago by even Joe Biden, and not a Republican or Democrat. Can you give me your assessment of, of Christopher Ray and what do you expect tomorrow? Well, I think he's probably going to go down in history as one of the worst uh, FBI directors in history. Uh, he is a completely empty suit, uh, perfectly coiffed and perfectly dressed, uh, but incompetent to the core. Uh, he always thinks about his next job. He's never, ever dedicated himself to anything other than himself. And what he's done is he's betrayed the FBI agents, men and women, and destroyed a great institution. Uh, all of his performances on Capitol Hill are underwhelming. He's uninformed. And uh, I must say, uh, what will happen tomorrow is he'll do everything he can not to answer questions uh, with the usual excuse of ongoing investigations. But um, if, if whoever the next Republican president is in January of 25 should fire him inauguration day. You know, and sometimes, um, well, Take a look at this, this, this response to a question about January 6th. Were there FBI informants in the Capitol waiting for people to arrive? I was, it never even occurred to me. Watch his answer. Did you have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters inside the Capitol on January the 6th prior to the doors being opened? Again, I had to be very careful. It should be a no. Can you not tell the American people no? We did not have confidential human sources dressed as Trump supporters positioned inside the Capitol. Gentlemen, time has expired. You should not read anything into my decision uh, not to share information. Director Ray, confidential human gentlemen's source. time has expired. And he was mad at that question. Why would he be uh, so, I mean, it suggests to me that there were actually confidential human FBI sources waiting in the Capitol dressed as Trump supporters. There were. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, the bottom line with Chris Ray is uh, he doesn't understand the nature of his job. He doesn't. Un and that's because he has run the institution so poorly that with the exception of the people on the on the top floor with him, he has no support within that agency. Uh, he's he's an incompetent. And that testimony shows it. But that's what he's good at. He's not good at law enforcement. He's good at evasion. Uh, that's something else. Well, tomorrow should be interesting because uh, there are some <laughs> there are some great uh, interrogators in Congress on our side. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this uh, guy. His name is Bill Stevenson. He's a great guy. He happened to have been married to Jill Biden all the way back in the 1970s before Joe. Uh, they got divorced. And later, Bill found his life to be um, well, very much complicated. He felt like the FBI was hassling him. And I I, I think we have proof that they were, uh, and the Federal Justice Department was hassling Bill Stevenson. I'd love to get your opinion on this. Take a look at what happened. Um, 
it was a matter of $8,000 in unpaid taxes for the first quarter of 1982. He finds himself in federal court on April 8th, 1982, eight days after after the end of uh, of the first quarter of 1982. And you can compare it to uh, Hunter. Look, I know you don't know all the specifics of the case. He never was found guilty, oh, by the way, of anything there. But have you ever heard of a federal case being brought that quickly? Uh, actually, it's pretty unusual. Uh, that was back in 1982 when I was the United States attorney in the District of Columbia. Uh, and as you know, Wilmington, Delaware, where that case was brought, was my hometown. The thing that you have to understand about Delaware is Delaware is a southern state. It's very small. Uh, to this day, it's like Mississippi 1964. And uh, everything there is done on a first-name basis. Everybody knows everybody. It's a small town. Uh, it has become extremely corrupt over the years, uh, both at the federal law enforcement level and the local law enforcement level. It's one of the reasons uh, that people have very little confidence in law enforcement in Delaware. Wow. And go figure. Joe Biden comes from Delaware. It's, he seems he seems to be very based on your description. Uh, he would be very much at home in Delaware. Oh, this is this is home base for him. In fact, he knows everybody. Everybody knows what to do when Joe's name comes up. And that's be quiet. And that's why this U.S. attorney who's currently there, David Weiss, it's fairly obvious that he has been hopelessly compromised in the investigations of the Biden family. And everything that has happened in the Hunter Biden case is below board. You're, yeah. So what's up? I mean, the, the letters uh, he wanted to I can't I can't make it out. I think he's confusing people on purpose with these letters. Uh, just tell us Absolutely. a little bit more. He is. Absolutely. Oh, no, listen, listen. All you have to do is look at what he didn't do. He gave up felony prosecutions against Hunter Biden by allowing the statute of limitations to expire. That's that's inconceivable to me. What you do when you're the U.S. attorney and the statute of limitations is expire on felonies, you say, look, uh, I'm going to continue the investigation, so I'd like you to agree, Mr. Biden, to an extension of the statute of limitations. And if you won't agree, I'm going to indict you tomorrow on four felonies. That never happened. Why did he not do that? Why did he give up the felonies? The answer is very simple. He threw the case. Wow. Wild. In America, I never would have thought it. I also can't believe 40 years ago you were a U.S. attorney. What were you, in high school? Uh, <laughs> come on. Uh, all right. It's true. Fun. I was very young. I was one of the youngest ever. Joe DeGeneva, a legend. Thank you very much. To be continued. <laughs> we'll be right back. So in the green, that's Joy Reid. I generally ignore her, but she said something that got my attention and we must discuss because everybody's missing the, the real point here. I have to say, I did not go out on July 4th and would not. The idea of going to a mass gathering, a parade or a big fireworks thing outside seems insane to me, to be blunt, in America. Because America is awash with guns, and now people don't just have them. They seem to want to shoot people with them. 
All right, here's the real reason she doesn't go out on the 4th of July and much at all. From what I hear, she doesn't like mass gatherings because there's a relatively decent chance that she'll run into a person who is gay and she does not like them. She has a long history of online uh, homophobic comments. She wrote it down over a long period of time. It wasn't just a gaffe. It was a sustained campaign of hate against gay people and Jews. Yet there she is in the primetime lineup on MSNBC. Wow. All right. Also this, Gavin Newsom, a lot of people think he's the governor of California, of course, that he will be the ultimate nominee instead of Joe Biden, that they're going to tell Joe to get lost. Could happen. Um, Gavin Newsom watches Newsmax. Oh, by the way. Entertainment wing, particularly of the Republican Party, the surround sound on Fox with these you know, I don't even like saying his name, Tucker Carlson, mm -hmm. or that other, I don't even know, the guy from the, I mean, it's just like, they're all the same. And One American News and Newsmax, and, and what they're doing to divide this country to, you know, where illusion rules, not facts, it contributes to the mental health crisis in the state. So on the basis of one's own personal <laughs> conditions, I would not recommend it. Well, um, I'm glad he watches Newsmax, actually. Uh, we have featured him many times, especially when he went to that fancy restaurant without the mask during the lockdown. Um, he has some nerve, actually, to attack private media. Um, I, I don't think he's actually watched the show. We do deal in facts, don't we? You know that, and I know that. And we're doing something very special on the show, and I'm proud of it. So Gavin Newsom does not get it. I hope, hope. He's not the nominee, actually. I'd prefer Joe. Joe would be easier to beat. He's liberal and crazy, but he's skinny and he's got great hair. Bit of a pretty boy. And that could help um, come Election Day. Hey, did you hear about the woman who was convicted in the Manson murders all those years ago? Manson, right? The Charles Manson, horrible Shannon Tate, uh, the Lobianca killings. Well, one of the women killers, a devotee of uh, Charles Manson, there she is. Uh, her name is Patricia Van Houten. Is that right? No, I'm sorry. Leslie Van Houten. Uh, she was just paroled, just now paroled. Here she is. Um, now, Gavin Newsom, I'll say to his credit, was opposed to the parole. He was opposed to the parole. He could stop it, but it looked like it was going to fail on appeal. Look, you kill somebody, life in prison, at least. Life in prison is supposed to mean life in prison. I hear she reformed, but what she did at that low, low Bianca household, um, she deserves to be in jail forever. Sorry. We'll be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Thank you very much. I'll see you tomorrow.